Today's episode is brought to you by Alliance Aviation. Whether your mission is flying in style to any of the circuits on this year's Formula One calendar or simply traveling for business, Alliance's team of aviation professionals is ready to get you from point A to point B. When you fly with Alliance as a charter customer, we deliver superior aircraft, fair pricing, and no long-term commitments. And right now, we have an ongoing promotion to save you 5% on all jet cards. Normally, a jet card can cost you $6,500 per flight hour, but when you use promo code POINTS, you can save over $8,000 per jet card. Use promo code POINTS and fly to the Formula One circuits in style at fly.flyalliance.us slash points. Welcome back to the In The Points podcast, the fastest growing Formula One podcast on the globe. We are live following the Spanish Grand Prix, another tale of two races, but this time in reverse. The first 27 of the 66 laps were drama-filled as spin-outs, racing incidents, reliability, and even team orders plagued the top teams in the field. It was looking to be an easy race victory for the Ferrari of Charles Leclerc, while issues with Max Verstappen's DRS deployment was proving quite frustrating in his battle for P2 with George Russell until a Ferrari power-related issue caused Charles's first retirement of the season. From there, the race was pretty much set with Red Bull finishing 1-2 and Mercedes returning to the podium with George Russell finishing P3. All of that, plus we talk upgrade chatter, the return of the Merc, and team orders to cover off the Spanish Grand Prix recap. Let's go racing. the In The Points podcast, the fastest growing Formula One podcast in the world. I'm your host, Matt Dottiel. Joined as always with me is Sam Russell and Stefano Sedano. Guys, welcome back to the fastest growing F1 podcast in the world. Thanks for having us, Matt. I uh, can't wait to hop into the debacle of this past Sunday. So really looking forward to it. Vamos a la playa. We've got a lot to talk about. Let's get right into it, folks. Hell yeah, fire it up. Uh, so, Sam, you you described this race as a debacle, and I think that that's the right way to categorize this race. I mean, across all fronts. Like, we, there's so much to talk about in the Spanish recap. First and foremost, what a crazy first 27 laps of a race. We said in Miami it was a tale of two races. This time, it's a little bit of a tale of two races, but in reverse. The first 27 laps were insane, and then the remaining... 39 laps were totally boring, a dud of a race, a couple small battles and like the midpoints, but like really it was a debacle starting from Ferrari reliability issues, which is the first time we've seen a chink in the armor for that team all year, more Red Bull reliability issues, some Mercedes quote unquote reliability issues towards the end with that DNF risk. No DRS working for Red Bull. Crashes into turn four on the first opening lap of the race. Gusts of winds blowing cars into turn four into the gravel. Total, absolute, flat-out debacle. Best way to categorize it. Let's start with lap one. Lap one, 
unbelievable. I mean, Leclerc got away really incredibly. He covered off Max insanely well. Checo got a hell of a jump. Stefano, I think you said when we were watching this, you thought that he jumped the line. Yeah, but it was really because Sainz got a, such a terrible start. It looked like he anti-stalled. He did. Uh, and, you know, Checo took advantage of it right away. You know, got a great start, overtook Sainz, and then it left it left Carlos Sainz in, in, in a hell of a spot of bother for the rest of the race. Yeah, and, and Lewis, he even got up into the action as well. He got a great start. He was looking, Sam, he's your guy. He was looking like he was right up in the mix. They had a great Mercedes, great weekend all weekend. We'll get to, like, how Mercedes is back later on the race. But then he gets tagged by your other boy, Kevin Magnuson, into turn four. Yeah, uh, it was a racing incident. At first, I thought Magnuson really, you know, hopped out there and, and kind of cut him off. But looking back on it, I still think it was more Magnuson's fault than, than Lewis's fault. But it was more of a racing incident. But yeah, it was bummer seeing Lewis start out that way. And, and I know we'll get to it more. He he could have won that race. He, he yeah. legitimately could have won that race. Um, so it was almost a missed opportunity, I felt, for for Hamilton. Yeah, so it was it was it was crazy, hectic start. But yeah, ha- Hamilton tough 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 first lap again. And I'm I'm really glad that he didn't save his engine the way he suggested that they should because he he almost retired and instead had a mega drive and finished super strong. So it was crazy race for Hamilton. Absolutely insane race. It's you know Magnuson got on the team radio and he kind of called out Lewis. I think last year we saw Lewis get into a lot of incidents, a lot of crashes with Verstappen. Everyone thought Verstappen was a dangerous driver. So far this year, Verstappen zero crashes. Hamilton I think has had two. And Magnuson on team radio saying. I don't know. I think Lewis knew exactly what he was doing. Not the first time we've heard somebody come on the radio outside of Verstappen and say Lewis knew what he was doing. His teammate Nico Rosberg used to say it. So start to wonder a little bit here. Is is Lewis more of the dangerous driver? You think he want you think he got in a crash on purpose in the first lap? I don't know. Just Magnuson on team radio seems like he was there seems to be a common theme here. That wasn't that wasn't Hamilton's fault. It was Magnuson's fault, if any, if anything. I, but I just thought it was a racing incident. I thought it was a racing incident too. But you know, looking at the way Lewis drives, it definitely, it definitely looks like he feels sort of entitled to racing lines. And uh, I think he was expecting K Mag to yield to him on that turn. Didn't happen. Both of them, both of them spun out, and it definitely, it definitely left them with a lot to prove for the rest of the race. K-Mag, what a fall from grace he's had. I mean, Lewis ended up having a phenomenal race. To your point, Sam, we'll, we'll get to it later. After lap one of the race, we had Charles up in first, Max second, George Russell P3, then Checo Perez, Carlos Sainz, and it was looking like it was the race started to unfold a little bit, like it was a battle maybe for first and then a separate battle for third. Lap six, comes around we were talking about how george checo and signs it was going to be an insane battle for p3 it looked like charles and max were i think at by lap six like four seconds five seconds ahead of p3 signs spins out into turn four totally out of the blue completely odd we were all dumbfounded just a total weird slide but we know there's crosswinds on here. I mean, what was going through your guys' minds? It was that you guys big ferrari fans to see signs spin out like that was insane Big gust of wind, but then on lap six, Max out of the blue, or sorry, on lap nine, Max spins out in the exact same way, totally alone. Nobody's in anywhere near him. He's two seconds behind Charles at this point, and he's like four or five seconds ahead of George. So I've got a theory on this, Matt. I've got a theory on this. Hit me with it, uh, Sam. I'd love to hear so, it. So, so 
I think it was clear watching Max. He, he caught a gust for sure because he like didn't even try to like turn the wheel. It was it was pretty bizarre. Yeah. Signs didn't catch a gust. It was just he, it was just a mistake. And I don't I don't I don't even know what to say about him anymore. Um, it, it's obviously early, but I, but I mean he can't get out of his own way. And it's they just can't. these these silly mistakes. And it's 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 Matt. You've said it a couple episodes in a row. He's in his head at this point. And I'll fully admit it now because it's just one of the one incident after another like this. That's it's almost inexplicable. I don't think he caught a gust of wind. I just thought it was bad, bad driving. So you think that science put too much steering and put in oversteered in what turn four? Yes. No way. Dude. Watch the watch the replay over. I'll have to. I mean, to me, when watch I'm the watching. okay, watch, watch the replay compared to Max actually catch, catching a gust. No, to your point, Sam, it is funny because like Carlos does like a 360 slide. Like he does like yeah. a 360 yes. spin and then he ends up in the gravel. Max looks like he just goes off the track. Yeah. When you were watching all those videos about how they were saying how these new cars were going to help with downforce loss because of like the way that the dirty air was creating it. They show a video in Bahrain of Sebastian Vettel. He's like he loses his breaking point and he crashes into the back of Kimi Raikkonen because he literally like lost all of his downforce. Max has looked like that kind of like almost like he hit the normal breaking point and the car just didn't stop and he just kept going off the track coming back on the gravel. I'm shocked as a, as Mr. Ferrari that you are like back into the camp of the Matt Teal. Carlos Sainz has got head issues on the racetrack. Well, look, 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 I, I still think this dude's going to win a race this year. I'm not backing off that. It's a long, long season. We're only six races in. But my confidence level has dwindled specifically after this race. I, I just, I, I thought this track set up well for him. I thought with him getting these upgrades, he was in for a big week and he started off strong. He looked pretty good in, in a couple of practices, but then he, I think it might've been practice too. He just like, I don't know. It just seems like his progress stalled. And then he was just on his back foot the rest of the weekend, just culminating in, in that spin during the race. And it's just, I don't know, it, it, compared to what Charles looked like, which was, a dominant car until he DNF'd. I think it's kind of embarrassing for science to not finish on the podium. His home race too. In his, his home, home race. race. Yeah. And, and maybe that had something to do with it. It felt the pressure. And I, it would, I wouldn't yeah. doubt it at all. With, on top of him knowing that he's got to start performing because he's, he's been off to a slow start. That on top of being at home, I don't know how else to explain it, but he was in his own head this past weekend. I, I actually, I, I think you are onto something there with the pressure especially after uh, his dad presented, I think, the pole position trophy. That's right. On Saturday. Yeah, Carlos Sainz so, Sr. I mean, come on. Like, yeah, yeah. Piled out onto what he's already feeling for pressure, you know, from his teammates' performance. He's probably, he's probably a head case right now. Sam, I'm with you. I think Carlos Sainz does win a weight race this year. I think if he didn't make that mistake, he probably would have won Spain, to be honest yeah, with you. Yeah, he would have. I mean, when you, when you look at how good – uh, Leclerc's car was. How can you not think Sainz would have won? Uh, I, I agree. And like, especially after, it, it, you know, Max spinning out, right? Because that was, he was held up by George Russell for almost 20 laps. And I, it, you just know that if Sainz was sitting right behind Checo and George with Max not being able to get through with DRS, like it would have been Sainz's podium weekend after Charles DNF'd. But I think, and this is my my theory, or not theory, this is my point of view, so long as Charles Leclerc is in a race, he's going to be ahead of 
Carlos signs on the podiums or in or in the points. So long as he does not have any reliability issues, I don't see his teammate beating him. I don't yeah, see it I happening. I have to agree with that. Charles is yeah, clearly- how can you how can you disagree with that? He's just looked so much better than him. I mean, he can't even match his pace in qualifying. I mean, the qualifying, not to go back too far in time, it was honestly absolutely insane. Because what? Charles Leclerc spun out in Q3, and then out of absolutely nowhere, he puts in the only 118 that we had seen all day long, all weekend long, and it was three-tenths up on Max. Max had a DRS issue, but when they came on the team radio, he asked what Charles's pace was for the, for the pole lap, and they go, yeah, he was three-tenths quicker. And Max's response, damn, that's a big gap. Even the... Hey. It's he's such a stud. Chuck is such a stud. Such uh, he's, a stud. he's, he's, he, I feel like he's getting better and it's such a shame what happened. It, it, it is a shame. Carlos Sainz, if he spun in, in Q3, he probably, w- he wouldn't have had the confidence to go out and set that, that lap that, that Charles, totally. he would have been at the bottom of Q3. That's the difference between Chuck and Charlie. And Charles. Charles. Dude, Stephanie, something you gotta like get, bring your mic closer. You're wicked, wicked. Soft. Yeah, you're soft right now. Very soft. Ooh. But yeah, no, I mean that is that's the difference between Charles and Chuck and Charlie, really. To be honest with you, but so before the Charles DNF, which was obviously terrible, so Max spins out on lap nine. We were talking earlier about how hard this track is to overtake with the crosswinds. He gets stuck behind teammate Checo Perez. Verstappen is let through by his teammate. Now, at this point, we know Verstappen and Charles is the battle, right? Like that's who is battling on track for driver's championship. I don't think anybody in their right mind, no matter what team you root for, no matter what big of a stand you are, it's very clear Ferrari, it's Charles. At Red Bull, it's Max. At Mercedes, it should be Lewis, but right now on paper, it's not. That I think is the blueprint for these teams. And I would expect all those number two drivers Fully understand it. Great teammate move by Checo, letting Max through to challenge Russell. He clearly had better race pace. However, couldn't get DRS deployed. Sam, you said it earlier in the week. You said Max, you you had said Max probably wasn't going to be on a podium because of reliability. He almost wasn't at all on a podium because of reliability. They can't do something as simple as getting the DRS button working, just totally spamming it. He shouldn't, the, he shouldn't have been on the he shouldn't he shouldn't have been on the podium. He shouldn't have been on the podium? No, he shouldn't have been. In what way? M- Max Verstappen, plain and simple, didn't deserve to win the race on Sunday. Win not, but not a podium. You don't think he's on P3? If a couple things go a different way, he's not in the top three. Not not even close. I mean, we would have been seeing uh, a different race from George Russell, too. True. Ha- Ham- Hamilton, better, better data, had a faster car on Sunday. Faster car on Sunday, that is for sure. If Hamilton didn't have to go into the back, there was definitely going to be, when you take Charles Leclerc's DNF into consideration, the Mercedes and Red Bull battle would have been absolutely epic if, if Lewis didn't get tagged by Kevin Magnuson. But back to the, the Verstappen-Russell battle, a great battle, by the way, between George Russell defended against Max, who had, if and very frankly, if Max had DRS, I think that that, lap, that battle ends after like two laps, to be very honest, because they had a very quick car. And 
Verstappen was getting pretty close to George, but George just beautiful double moves at the end. It was very borderline illegal, but he raced hard. I don't think there was anything wrong with it. He was very close, but he defended beautifully. That was the highlight of the day for me. I, I thought that was the most exciting couple laps of the day and and sort of was like a bright as a fan like a, the bright spot like I, I really enjoyed that one of the only bright spots of the day really so th- that that was good that was some good on track racing yeah I, I totally agree I really enjoyed it I thought and you know what was a really cool one too lap 24 Verstappen had some DRS he got ahead of Russell heading into turn one and then Russell braved it around the outside going into turn two overtakes Max and then we see wheel to wheel battle heading into turn four it was honestly it was brilliant racing I I really enjoyed watching George Russell come into his own. Stefano, what did you think about like that battle on track? Yeah. I mean, any, any battle on track is lovely to watch and watching George Russell fight tooth and nail against Max Verstappen was uh, really a treat to watch, especially on, on a track as kind of dull as, uh, as, as Spain. Um, So I was really pleased that that transpired the way it did. Um, you guys say borderline illegal moves. I thought I thought it was perfectly fine. I mean, yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't say that. I thought it was perfectly legal. There was a well, couple towards the end that I remember seeing where he was on the racing line, and at the very last minute, he darted into, and it was very close. It wasn't. I'm not saying he was racing illegally. I'm saying he was making a last minute move where, like, he was making a little bit of a double move where a couple of the the announcers, Martin Brundle, Dave, uh, Crofty, it was just close. I'm not saying anyone should look into him and Russell's a dangerous driver. I'm saying he was making he was defending on the limit, and it was clean hard racing for me, but it was close. The last move at the end, it seemed close. Honestly. If if he didn't make those moves, Verstappen would have had him and we wouldn't be having this talk about totally. how great the battle that was. Totally. So he did what he had to do to defend his position. Um, and I, we were all better off for it. It made for a much better end of the race um, after the Chuck DNF. So. Yeah, it, was the best de- it was the best defense we've seen this year out of any 100%. driver. I couldn't yeah. agree more with you. So, guys, heading into this, I mean, actually, Verstappen could not get ahead of Russell. I think he ended up actually going into the pits to get on new tires. And this is when this starts to unfold a little bit. Lap 27, a heartbreaker for all of us. I think we all had Leclerc winning this race in our predictions and our bets. We all had Leclerc. I was in tears, man. You were in tears. That sucked. Sucked. Sucked so bad. Ruined my whole entire weekend. Awful. We hear no, no, no. Voice when he was going no, no, no. <sighs> you hear the raw emotion. It was last like, time. Was, last time I heard that was Monaco last year. You yeah. mean Monaco two weeks ago when he was driving the loudest car? I think the radio was broken on that one too. Yeah, probably. What a heartbreaker, guys. I mean, out of the blue. And my question for both of you, I've asked this every time. Now is it time for Ferrari to start hitting the panic button with the DNF from Charles with a a reliability issue, which honestly, I didn't think we were going to get any reliability concerns from Ferrari. It's a little concerning. Do you guys think it's time for them to hit the panic button? No, absolutely not. As bad of a a result that was for them, I think it sort of solidified themselves as the favorite on these more technical tracks. Um, specific, specifically, we're heading into into the European side of the season. I think they prove that they're going to have a leg up. Um, so even I think you know it sucks he DNF, but let's get this reliability issue out of the way. Hopefully, it's like a one and done type of thing. But I don't think that it's going to be a, a drawn out reliability issue. And if they can get it cleaned up, I think they 
are going to be better off on these technical, um, these technical tracks. Yeah. I'd have to, I'd have to echo that. Uh, Leclerc was absolutely dominant in that race. Um, and I believe Ferrari brought, uh, did they bring a power upgrade for his car? I think they were talking about it. Uh, I, I can't, who the, uh, who the hell knows? Yeah. I mean, I mean, with, with all the, all the talking heads on the internet, you can never tell one way or another. Um, but I was, I, I watched this onboard footage when, when the engine went and I thought to myself right away, that sounds like a turbo failure. You know, anybody who owns a turbo Subaru or an Audi can relate. Ask me how I know. Um, but, uh, it was, I think it was confirmed that it was indeed a turbo failure. So there shouldn't be, there shouldn't really be that much damage to the engine. Maybe they can salvage it. Um, I doubt it, but you know, that, that, then we go into cost cap, uh, conversations, but. Uh, this shouldn't affect Ferrari at all. I don't think they hit the panic button. Honestly, I'm picking, I think Charles is a favorite for Monaco too, based on his performance up until the engine failure. Mm -hmm. So here's my question though. I, I agree. I think they'll figure it out, but you have to layer in Carlos Sainz's head case issues where now you've got a driver who spinning out and having some type of like issue every single race horrible start in miami or not a horrible start but he he got he got shot uh, he got squeezed off the start max overtook him into miami he had a anti-stall in in uh spain he had like a different steering wheel in imola and he dropped the clutch like he's just having some incidents on track where he's not able to kind of like race the way he's beached the car in australia he beached the car a little bit with a tag from ricardo and imola so like collectively as ferrari like having a solid number two Two, do you guys think that that gives any rise to hitting the panic button? Charles is solid. I, I think he'll find his, I think this is like an isolated incident. He's obviously very dominant and <clears throat> driver's championship is going to be epic to watch. But in the constructors, do you think that like Carlos is a liability now? So I, I mean, yeah, like simple answer is sure. He, he's, a, he's a liability at this point. He needs to wake up, but that car is so good still that he can have disaster of weekends kind of the way he did this weekend and still, you know, finish fourth. Yes. So um, I, if they're going one four every race, then they're going to win the constructor. So, um, I, you know, while he needs to clean up his act, I don't think he needs to be finishing on the podium every single week for them to still win the constructors just based off how great Chuck's looked. Um, and, and just assuming that they're going to clean up their reliability issues. Yeah. Uh, not only that, but it's not like, it's not like he's finishing outside the top 10 every race, you know, uh, podium in, in Miami fourth place on, on the last few laps in Spain, you know, he's, he's getting good points for the team, you know, for the rest of the season, it's really just going to be reliability issues for Leclerc that may hinder their constructors championship hopes you know speaking of the upgrades he was the car that supposedly was being dominated with the upgrades this weekend from ferrari i mean this podcast anyone who's ever listened to us knows that the upgrade rumor twitter war if you will it's like a crapshoot nobody knows what the hell is going on and to be honest with you somebody tweeted a verified account tweeted this is the upgrade list from barcelona guys Mercedes, front wing end plate, floor, rear brake winglets, Red Bull, front wing flaps, floor, Ferrari, floor, rear brake winglets, rear wing, McLaren had like 14, I'm not even going to list them, Alpine, rear McLaren wing. Yeah, yeah, we can argue about this all day. Those aren't upgrades. Yeah, Sam, talk like the, I agree with you. Like, what do you consider to be an upgrade? Because I think the way that F1 talks about that, not that stuff. Well, 
not that stuff. Like I like, I don't know. I, I consider that stuff more of just like the setup of the car for that specific track. I don't really consider those type of tweaks upgrades. Yeah. Like you want like a new engine. Or, yeah. Something like that. Just something yeah. bigger. Like, I, I don't know. I, if, if we're going to call all those upgrades, I think, you know, then we could spend all day on Twitter and all of this whole entire podcast just discussing them because every single team is going to then bring 15 upgrades every week. Well, so yeah, also just to add to that, uh, if you're counting all those tweaks as upgrades, then every single, every single team on, on the grid for Monaco is going to bring an upgrade because they're all bringing, they're all bringing completely different steering racks. Uh, they're all bringing different aero packages. You know, they have, these teams have strategies and packages put in place for each of the, the individual tracks. So little tweaks like that that you hear from the Twitter rumor mill, those aren't upgrades. We're getting too liberal with the term upgrade is what I'm saying. That's it's funny sure. you say that because I looked up the definition. So Merriam-Webster defines an upgrade as to raise something to a higher standard, in particular to improve equipment or machinery by adding or replacing components. Now, by that definition, Aston Martin brought brand new side pods and they finished at the back of the track. That's exactly what I was going to say, Matt. If, if, if that's the definition, then how did Aston Martin bring 15 upgrades to Spain? And they ended up like what? The, they were back markers in Spain. And honestly, it was hysterical. I don't like you can love them or hate them. It was hilarious. You saw the picture of the Red Bull, the green Red Bulls all on the pit wall because everyone was saying the Aston Martin was the green Red Bull two years ago. The Lance Stroll's team or Lawrence Stroll's team was the pink Mercedes. These guys love stealing IP. Love Conspir- conspiracy theory here. What, what, do, what do we think about Aston Martin putting out a pig of a performance this past weekend to try to get all the hate off them of being a green Red Bull? I, I, I agree with that. I 100% think Lawrence Stroll is so corrupt that he would 100% do something like that. I was started to sense it like, like halfway through FP3, I'm like, they're they're throwing this race weekend because they want all the attention off them. They would have to tell it to, uh, to Sebastian Vettel. Lawrence Stroll just has to tell Lance Stroll, just drive like you normally do, and he'll still finish out of it. That guy sucks. That guy blows. That guy, that guy, you know what? It's a pig of a car and a pig of a driver at the same time. So it's a pig driving a pig of a car. It's like the three little pigs between Lawrence, Lance, and then the car itself. It's it's awful but so guys you know i don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this but like something's fishy with that they said that they had these side pods in the wind tunnel back in november they poached a red bull aerodynamicist and chief technical engineer you didn't see the red bull car until like january maybe because they were still racing back in november they claimed they didn't steal any ip it's got to be a load of shit, right? The side pod looks exactly, exactly the same. same. It's identical. It was the same thing. Didn't there's work no, as well, though. No, well, I mean, there's two reasons for that. One, they don't have Adrian Newey. And two, it's Lance Stroll versus Max Verstappen driving the car, or even Checo Perez. Like, But I, that's why I think, Sam, I think they turned the engine to a different setting. And they just let the didn't tell the drivers. And they like blamed it on like the upgrade. I can get on board with that theory for sure. Hey, the upgrades, which if we're using the definition of an upgrade, they, they didn't upgrade anything. They made the car worse. So I think I just want to say great plug for Marion Webster, by the way. Um, no free really, ads. Get in touch with us. Get in touch with <laughs> Marion Webster. 
Uh, but anyway, guys, back to the upgrade commentary. Like, I think that we need to stop being so liberal to use the word upgrade, Sam, to your point. Like, these are new parts. The teams are bringing newly developed parts to try to see what works. And if they work, they successfully upgraded. Mercedes brought front wing end plates, a new floor, and it worked. They have an upgrade. Aston Martin brought new side pods. They didn't work. They're not an upgrade. Like, you sucked. Sorry. Sorry about your luck. And Red Bull bringing upgrades near the budget cap this week. Horner coming out that, you know, the Putin war and the Biden economy and the China-Taiwan thing has raised prices so bad that the FIA needs to revisit the budget cap. What do you guys think about that? I'm kind of on board with that. What do you guys think? Well, it seems to me that the most vocal person who's coming out and saying that the budget cap needs to be increased is Red Bull. And Christian Horner, which, what do you know, is the most developed car with probably the most upgrades so far this season. So, uh, yeah, no wonder you're running out of money, Christian. You have brought these crazy upgrades to every single race. You know, it's called a budget because you aren't supposed to spend all of your money in the first six races of the season. You're supposed to, you know, you know, budget your money so that it lasts the whole entire year. So they're claiming it's due to inflation. Inflation's been on the rise for months. You know, and I realized the FIA set this amount of, of money for the budget cap a year, a year or more ago, whatever. You knew what the cap was for all this time. So maybe just don't spend all of your money in the first races of the season. Uh, it's And don't bring upgrades to every single race like these other teams aren't doing. You know, other, other teams are playing the long game and saving their money for later in the season. And I think that Horner said something like, well, if there isn't an increase in the budget, some teams won't be able to race the last few races. So you want to punish the teams that you want to punish the teams that properly budgeted out their development over the course of the year because your team hit the panic button after two races and started spending all of your money before we even get to the Europe part of the circuit. It's just give me a break. Yeah. Horner, you know Horner needs to Horner needs to go and shove it. And I really hope F1 calls his bluff and doesn't up the budget cap and Red Bull runs out of money with 10 races to go and, and they get screwed and they lose out on the drivers and the constructors. And I'm getting really sick of this whole entire idea that we have to cater to the Red Bull team. Um, just budget your money better and you won't spend all your money in the first six races of the season. I don't care about inflation. Well, so, so Sam, but hold on a second. You say that these guys, the FIA is catering to Red Bull. Red Bull complained about the Aston Martin side pod thing and the FIA tell them to go screw. And then they complained about the Ferrari running the separate, the separate floors and the Pirelli tire test of 2023. And the FIA told them to go screw. So it's more, it's more, it's more that Horner with these comments expects them to cater to Red Bull when almost half of the teams in F1 have come out against increasing the budget cap and aren't against the budget yet. So why? Because Red Bull's against it. We have to up the budget cap. But the four teams Mercedes the, is up against the budget cap. I guarantee you. I haven't heard. I haven't heard Toto. I haven't heard Toto say anything. Oh, he's gonna. I, I, he oh. hasn't yet. It's only Horner. And there's four teams that have come out against the the uh, rising the budget cap. So why are we? Why are we going to? Why are we going to screw over those teams that didn't develop their teams as hard as Red Bull did in the first six races? Why are we going to punish them and give Red Bull more money? If, if they just, if they developed on a lesser scale than Red Bull did and budgeted better. Oh, see, if I was the FIA and I catered, I would say all the teams get a little bit more wiggle room. But to your point, 
Ferrari's sitting here being like, our car worked fine for six races and like, we're cool. We're good on that. But what's the interesting thing here with this budget cap, because clearly Red Bull has spent a lot up front because of their reliability issues in the first couple of weeks. They're very concerned that they're going to run out of money, which is what the budget caps are intended to do. You have to allocate. You can't just bring like 6,000 rear wings throughout the season when like a team like Haas, who this weekend, according to according to Toby Gruner on Twitter, has brought nothing. And even according to uh, Gunther Steiner has brought nothing. Red Bull has to allocate resources. So like the question is going to be back to the whole concept of upgrades. If Ferrari's bringing engine upgrades and they're not working, and Red Bull, like this budget and development race for the first time in years is going to actually be very interesting because the caps are going to start to impact. Mercedes is definitely going to be coming up. They got to be right behind Red Bull in terms of development because they've been trying to figure out the porpoising effect. Ferrari's bringing some engine upgrades that aren't working. So like this whole development thing where teams are bringing stuff that don't work and they have to be really, really careful. Like Red Bull probably will run be the first team to run out of money maybe Aston Martin, although they're Aston Martin's corrupt, so probably not. But now it's going to be like, who is the most efficient using of the... So they spent all their money in the first six races and a team like Haas hasn't because they're waiting to spend their money later on in the season. So my point is, Haas, a team like Haas is getting screwed if you increase the uh, budget cap after six races. They strategically saved their money for later in the season. So to, to raise the budget cap and give a team like Red Bull more money after six races, that's screwing the teams that were strategic with their spending in the first part of the season. And I, I think it's it'd be totally unfair for the FIA to act on this. And I, I think the proper response is, Christian Horner, go shove it. Spend your money better. I, I think we are missing one key thing here, which is uh, we really need Michael Massey's point of view on this this topic, because I feel like he would have just like the most perfect knowledge, insight and decisiveness, because I think he was like, I think he was a former CFO. He was a former driver. He was a former team principal. So that guy driver's champion, exactly. dri- Michael Massey, driver's champion. <laughs> but to know, I mean, I get it, Sam. Like you're kind of like opening up the floodgates a little bit here to say, hey, like we get there's stuff going on. But guys, like <laughs> it's a little bit peculiar that you're asking for it. Um, and honestly, a team who I, I think is second to behind Red Bull in terms of spend Mercedes. But I think the upgrades actually worked. And I actually like to talk about Mercedes this weekend unbelievable sam like what do you have to say for your team they're back and uh like i said i think with the chuck dnf he was clearly the the best car on sunday if hamilton didn't have the little incident on on you know lap one with k mag i think he wins the race with with that car so i'll say it's a good thing like i said earlier toto didn't listen to him i'd say that that's ending if i were you guys that car is special now. And, and I think we are now witnessing a three car race and a three team race. And I think this thing is totally up for grabs now. Um, and I was super impressed with not only Lewis, but I thought George Russell had a great race and just Mercedes in general, they, they seem to have figured something out. And I think we have officially seen them enter the um, constructor championship race. Yeah, George really stole the headlines while the race was going on. Lewis more so afterwards because Lewis had that incident in lap one. 
he wanted to retire the car. Then you didn't really hear about him much for a, a good portion of the race. Then all of a sudden, he's P5, P6, fighting for, for places up near the, the, the front three. Um, you know, he really had a very sneaky, very effective drive today, uh, on, uh, on Sunday, rather. He was, uh, he was driving the day. He was fantastic. Yeah, he deserved it. He deserved well, it. But what I'm, saying, what I'm saying is you didn't really hear much about him during the race because George was stealing the headlines because of the, the battle with Max. And yeah. that was great. That was great. And it really, it, it would have been nice for Lewis to get more screen time while he was fighting his way up the grid. Um, I certainly won't complain because what we got from George was, was phenomenal. Um, well, I mean. but, but great race for, for Mercedes. They seem to have fixed their porpoising issues. Uh, I'm really excited for what's going to happen in Monaco, a track that Lewis knows very, very well. They're going to be right there. They're going to be right there at Monaco. Yeah, I, I think so. They're they're very strong technically too, because like Verstappen in that that move where he kind of lunged ahead of George into turn one. I mean, George had absolutely unbelievable grip on that turn one to just take right back from Max. So like you only see that in cars that can actually take those technical turns with grip like right now the red bull is a low downforce package it's a high speed car mercedes is kind of right with now ferrari after that floor being able to like dominate through sector the traditional sector twos where there's a lot of change of directions a lot of like braving around the outside and having needing grip more than pure straight line speed so i'm totally with you but guys like lewis is so freaking frustrating man like in in his qualifying i loved it he, he was like what's my pace and they gave him george's pace and he goes i only ever want to know the fastest and i thought that that was like a nails response back like shut up i'm the world i'm the best of all time don't tell me my teammates tell me what i need to do to beat the best like i was like you know i'm a red bull guy i'm a max guy but i was like damn i respect the hell out of hamilton for responding that way but then he crashes he's like guys save the engine i'm so sorry he's acting like a baby and he he should have finished p4 there was a dnf risk so he got he was a sitting duck on like lap 65 to signs couldn't defend anything but like he's so frustrating because it's like man you could have won that race with charles's dnf but like you're on the radio like save the engine and then you finished fifth we should have been fourth it's like I mean, Sam, as a Mercedes fan, it's got to be frustrating with this guy this year. Yeah, he's a big-time baby sometimes. Uh, <laughs> all you can do is really just laugh when you hear him say stuff like that. Um, and then especially you laugh even more when he comes back and you know almost finishes fourth and ends up finishing fifth. So, yeah, he's he's got that like kind of poor sport in him, hates losing, um, but – he's got the heart of a champion and to see him fight all the way back to fifth, it was, that was awesome. That was, that was a great drive by him. Uh, I loved it. It was, uh, it was inspiring. And, and I feel like he's specifically walking away from this weekend with a ton of momentum head towards Monaco. How can you not after a drive like that, passing that many cars? So I, I think that it could be kind of the start of something for him. And I think he needed a drive like that to maybe, let a little bit of a fire under him and be like, okay, like I'm, I'm the world champion and I've got a good car again. So game on game on. He, I mean, I think it was, it was George in the post race press that said our season's just starting and like in a positive way. And if you think about it, they're not really that far off of Red Bull and Ferrari, like 
they're a couple one-two finishes away and some reliability issues from being right back into the mix after the weekend that they had this weekend. But uh, Stefano, you had talked about we, we had talked about Russell brilliant defending. I think Lewis, if he doesn't get tagged, he's probably beating his teammate this weekend for the first time. Um, Russell, Mr. Consistent, super frustrating for Max Verstappen to be behind him for 20 laps, no DRS working. And then, guys, so following the DNF from Charles, now we get into some controversy, or as the pundits like to say, some controversy. And controversy in the garage. Yes. Max was let through to battle with George, goes in the pits. And then, you know, towards the end of the race, some team orders come through. Checo to let Max through. Now, I've got a point of view on this. I'm sure you guys aren't surprised. At the time that Checo changed their race strategy to put him on a two-stopper, I'm fully convinced that that was still under the thought of they were going to try and overcut Leclerc to try and let Max come back from behind. They put him on a two stopper. The only re- the last time they did something like that was like Abu Dhabi and they did it on purpose so that way like Hamilton came out of the pits behind Checo so he could slow him down because I think the Red Bull team knew they nobody was going to catch Leclerc and it was basically race over. So at the time they were having uh because Max pitted before the DNF and then they were probably putting Checo to hold up uh, Charles and then Charles DNF'd. And then towards the end of the race, Max was obviously on fresher tires. He beat Checo before Checo repitted. He had like a six second gap and then Checo pitted for softs. He went back out. He got fastest lap. And then in the last like 11 laps, he was like 20, 16 seconds behind him because of like the pit stop. But like my question is, all right, they came on the radio and said, hey, Max is behind you. He's faster. Like, don't hold him up there was never going to be an issue with that. Max was always going to overtake Checo. There's no way that the two Red Bulls, like what did you guys expect to happen? Like the Mercedes from 2016 when like Nico and Hamilton collide, like he was easily going to get by him. He was on way fresher tires. Yeah. But the damage is already done at that point. They, they sabotaged Checo's race and they changed his strategy knowing that the three stopper was the winning strategy. And that's what Checo was on. They sabotage his race. This wasn't like a simple team orders thing where where they were on the same strategy or they had similar pace and you don't want them to fight and cause some sort of crash. So let Max through. I'm okay with that. That's that's fine. That's not what this was. That's not what happened on Sunday. And it was it was Red Bull consciously changing Checo's strategy from the clear winning strategy. They knowing three stops is going to win to the losing two-stop strategy so Max could win. If they gave Checo the right strategy, the one that they knew was going to win, or if they just allowed him to go through Max and Russell when Max didn't have DRS, Checo wins that race probably pretty easily. And But no, we, we have to cater to Max. So if he doesn't get his way, he's going to throw some temper tantrum behind the wheel, kind of like when he didn't have his DRS flap open and he's tapping the button like an Xbox controller when your game's frozen. Um, and it's absurd. It's absurd. It's honestly embarrassing if you're a Max fan um, to, to watch how that went down on Sunday. It, it's just kind of pathetic having to cater cater to him and have to sabotage your team's race so that you can catch up. And then we call it team orders. If that's not team orders, it's sabotaging your teammates race so that you catch up to them and then call it team orders. It's not team orders. 
That's, sabota- that's sabotaging your that's sabota- sabotaging your teammates race. That's such like a load of crap. You're telling me first and foremost, Checo ended up P2, and we just talked about earlier in the podcast. Should have been P1. He should have been guys, P1 easily. These number two drivers, the Valtteri Bottas of the world, the the Carlos Sainz of I get the world, that. the Checo yeah. Perez's of the world, they're all pawns in the team game. Now, agreed, 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 agreed. They were gonna go. They were gonna go one two regardless, and Checo had the win. So but that's the point, that's BS. And it, but you can't you can't change the guy's strategy so that the, your teammate catches him. That's, that's not exactly what that's, they always do. No, they it's not. No, they it's not. No, it's they not. No, it's team. not. Not what not when it's a foregone conclusion oh, that the two guys are going to finish one two. You don't change a strategy in a situation like that. But that Sam, is, at the time that's that they kept sabotage, the- and and you could tell you could tell that Checo was not okay with it. And outside of the the TV broadcast, the team radio that we saw where Checo was. He was pretty vocal about being upset and, you know, throw, the team throwing him under the bus like a dead dog. And he said he wanted to chat for the race. He clearly wasn't happy. But if you go back and listen to his team radio that wasn't broadcasted, or you can go, if you don't have F1 TV, you can go and find the transcripts on on Twitter. There was a bunch of instances where he's sitting there like, what's going on? Why aren't you guys telling me what's going on? His engineer not giving him any key information about what's going on, not telling him what's going on. He wasn't in on this plan. He wasn't in to be a pawn in this race. He had the win and they changed his strategy, sabotage him so Max could catch up to him. And then they go, yeah, it's team orders. It's just kind of how it is. No, no, no. You change the strategy so Max could catch up. That's not team orders. That's sabotaging Checo's race. And he said it afterwards. He's here to win races. And I understand that Max has won Checo's too. I get that. And if it comes down to a situation where they are going to fight and it naturally happens, team orders, fine. Max gets the number one slot. But you don't sabotage Checo's race so Max can catch up and then give the BS excuse it's team orders. That was it was BS. And it's especially embarrassing if you're a Max fan. Especially six races in. I can understand if it's like yep. we're 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 in Japan or Brazil, you know, later down in the calendar, but we're in Spain. You know, you shouldn't be issuing those kind of orders just yet. Let them let them battle out a few laps. Let them go at Absolutely. It. Great point, Stefano. You know, Checo's obviously on uh older tires. Max has uh, a pace advantage. If he can get around it, if he can get around Checo with the pace advantage and the fresher tires, then the problem's solved there. You don't need the team to intervene. And then, and then for Max to go on the team radio at the end, and oh man, the the patronizing going on. Oh, oh, Checo, great teammate. Thanks, Mike. Fuck off, Max. Seriously, fuck off. And sorry for our younger, our younger listeners for the language, but fuck we'll, off, Max. We'll bleep you know, that out. You know, like, don't friggin' go out there and patronize him after your team just sabotaged your teammate so you could win the win the race. He didn't just do it once either. He did it over and over again. It was unbelievable. It's so, oh, it's gross. It's sickening. I, how can you be a Max fan and listen to that and not just have your skin crawl? It's pathetic. That guy I know, is. Maybe, oh. maybe I should become a Lewis fan. Yeah, maybe you can yeah. learn learn a thing or two about class watching Lewis race. Yeah, I'm glad you guys brought it up because uh, a couple of these. Hey, Valtteri, do not fight Lewis. May 9th, Spain, 2021, last year, same exact race, same exact weekend. Lewis was behind Valtteri. Team radio comes through. Do not fight Lewis. Lewis wins Austrian Grand Prix, June 27th. Month later, Lewis has damage. Do not race him for now. Lewis had such bad damage that they finally had to let Valtteri through, and Lewis finished P4. Silverstone after Lewis tagged Max, sent them into the wall. Hey, Valtteri, do not fight Lewis after. 
Dexter Lewis had to serve a 10 second time penalty, comes behind Valtteri, Lewis wins. Zanvort, September 5th, Valtteri, this is James, please abandon the fastest lap of the race. Gets the fastest lap of the race. They pit Lewis on fresher tires. Give him the fastest lap. Finishes P2 behind Max. Soki, September 24th. They ask Toto, hey, what do you think? Because Valtteri earlier this year said he wasn't sure if he was allowed to be in contention for the title fight earlier in the season. Referencing Spain, May 9th, same race as this year. Do not fight Lewis. Toto's response, yeah, that just shows how great Valtteri is as a personality, and he knows how much is at stake for Lewis. Lewis wins in Soki. So I'm glad that you guys are all over the Red Bull team to say to have some class, because, Sam, your favorite team and favorite driver of all time, a year ago, same race, same type of team orders, Lewis wins P1. So, so okay, okay, Matt, Matt, you, first of all, you, you must have missed the part where I said, I'm okay with team orders. If it, if it naturally comes about during the race, and you don't want your teammates fighting for, for the position and you want to give your number one driver the position. I am fine with that. I have nothing against that. It's when you sabotage the oh, race and change and listen and, and, a, and let me no, talk and, and, and you change the strategy midway through the race to let Max catch up. That is sabotage. That's not team orders. Oh, and then no, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. He did. They, they did do that. And second of all, how do you know how many wins Valerie bought us at with Mercedes? No. He's ten. He won. He won ten times. He and won ten seasons? times. He won ten times. How many seasons? Four seasons. Yeah, and how many four times seasons. is that because of a reliability ten, issue with Lewis? Ten wins. Ten wins in four seasons. One of them on my list was last year when Lewis had damage to his plenty. Ring. Plenty of the plenty of those races. Lewis was in the race. I he mean, won ten. He won. He won ten times. Hey, when Checo wins seen. double. When Checo wins double digits with Red Bull, then you can say something. No, they won't let him win. Right now, they won't let saying- him win because they change his strategy midway through the race so that his teammate can catch up and they sabotage his race so Max can win. Or that else Max is what a number two change. driver does. And, and the fact that you're sitting no, here it's and not. telling me that Mercedes never used Valtteri to undercut or overcut Max the entire season, that or in any of the season that he ever I raced, can't remember a scenario where they total. changed. No, not I can't remember. Talk. No, now okay. let me talk. Okay. Okay. Now okay. let me go. You've been on your diet okay. track okay. all day Fine. long. And if you're going to sit there as a Mercedes fan and tell me straight in my eyes that Mercedes never used Valtteri to cover off Max and sabotage Valtteri's race, so that way he would hold up Max so Lewis would win, you're out of your mind. You're absolutely out to lunch. If you think you're that, again, you're, you're mixing up what I'm saying. Valtteri Bottas for four or five years wasn't used as a pawn and his race is consistently sabotaged so that way Lewis could finish on the podium and consistently have a one driver fight with the, everyone else in the field for the driver's championship. You, my sir, are absolutely out to lunch. I, I never said there was no team orders in place between Valerie and, and Lewis because they're, they're clearly, he, they're, 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 no, listen, no, 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 they clearly were. But you know what never happened? I can't remember a single time that halfway through the race, they changed Bottas' strategy off a winning strategy to a losing strategy, consciously knowing that it would get Lewis to catch up to him and then call a team orders. Because that's that not happens. what happened in any of those cases. It, no, it's not. No, it's not. Race. No, it's not. That no, it's not. No, it's they not. Strategies no, it's not. All the time. You ever not, hear like the team radio not, 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 not like B, that. Not like that. Not like that. Not knowing that Checo's strategy was the winning one and then changing it off to the losing they one. They changed his strategy. No. To cover off Charles Leclerc before he DNF'd. They see, you, see that's, that's BS. That's not what happened. They sab- they sabotaged Checo. We'll have to agree to disagree on this one. We'll have to agree to disagree. If you, if you, I, can, I, fall I, asleep, if you can fall asleep at, at night as a Max fan, knowing that, that was a, a clean win, then good for you. You got just some as demons. Much as you can when Lewis has had all of his wins. When Valtteri like a baby. Teammate. 
I'll sleep like a baby tonight, knowing that Max was a very deserving champion. He had the race pace all weekend. He shouldn't have really deserving won champion. Give me a break. Him. Race pace all weekend. He had the race deserving pace champion. All give me a break. I mean, compared give me a, to Charles, give me a break. No, Charles, Charles should have won that break. race. I said it earlier in the podcast. He should have won the race. But like, when you take Charles, Hamilton away, would have beat him too if he didn't if he didn't get tagged in the first oh, lap. So no, not a deserving no, champion in no. my opinion. If you listen, I know those transcripts. If and Karma's gonna radio, and Karma's gonna catch Karma's gonna catch up to him this season. If you listen to all those team radios, the way you said the transcripts he, he goes what's max's space and it was like a half a second faster in every single stint they wouldn't tell him anything they wouldn't give me any information okay, go Sam. back and read the transcripts i did i watched all the videos of it I go back and read the transcripts. they I wouldn't did. give me any every information they treated what's him like max's a dead space? dog and it was pathetic i hate the team orders i think that things should just transpire normally but then you end up with issues where drivers collide into each other uh we've seen nico rosberg and lewis hamilton have issues with that before um, and then it jeopardizes the the position in the constructors championship. Um, you know, I won't really comment much on Lewis and Valtteri having these issues in the past. Um, we're we're really only focusing here on Max, and I think our problem here is that Max is being a patronizing asshole afterwards. Um, that's really where my bone to pick comes out of. Um, you know, team orders are going to happen no matter what. You know, Max is leading the in the drivers championship. If they felt that they needed to give him an extra advantage, they're going to do it. Uh, not to mention, he did have legitimate pace. And uh, I did say earlier, I wish that a natural battle could have happened because I think Max would have had Checo anyway. Um, but Sam, I don't think Lewis would have beaten Chuck today. Uh, on no, Sunday no, not Chuck. Yeah, not no, Chuck. Not Chuck. Not, not Chuck. Chuck. Not Chuck. Not Chuck. No. Lewis, Lewis would have beat Max. If I, you I didn't get tagged in the first lap. misheard you then. Yeah, no, he would, you know, Lewis would not have won that race if Chuck finished the race. For the record, I think we're all in agreement that Charles Leclerc was well, yes. hella, heads and he shoulders yeah. above. Even even save a Max Verstappen not spin out on turn four or hitting that gust of wind, I still don't think he catches him, even if DRS is working too, by the way. I, yeah, I think Chuck, Chuck he wouldn't have been in long. DRS range the rest of the race. To be honest with you, thank God uh, Charles had a DNF because otherwise that whole race was just boring. It was just a battle for second. At least this yes. is like contra- con- controversy for the battle for first between honestly, the same team. Thank God he had a DNF because now it makes the drivers and constructors championships more interesting too. Totally. Otherwise, he would have put a, he would have put out a huge lead on on Verstappen because we before the DNF, you know, you don't really know where he's going to finish. Let me let me just say too for the record, I hate DNFs. I, I hate DNS for any single driver. I, I think it's like yeah. the dumbest that it yeah. sucks. It, it absolutely sucks. I get it's a part of it and it's a reliability thing. But like as a fan, like the fact that Max has two DNFs and Charles has a DNF and like I, I just I hate DNFs because like it just doesn't show me like a pure, true representation of like the driver's championship. Like it, it's like I just hate it. I as a fan, I think it's like it's dumb. Like I get it. Yeah, it happens, it's but. the worst thing to see somebody lose out on a championship because of one DNF early in the season that's the worst yeah, way to but to to put a put a pin on or to to kind of close out this 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 you know i mean checo did get fastest lap so like and he was still on p2 oh so nice of christian to throw on that bone break. Well, talk speaking of patronizing thanks mate thanks mate Here, here's a point bud Sam, I, I mean, I just got to say, I think it's, I think like if the team sabotage Checo, fine, but like to have no respect, no respect for the driver's champion of 2021 of Max Verstappen, to have no respect for a reigning world champion is purely and utterly just absolutely pathetic. Not my world champion. That's all I'll say. Not my world champion. 
All right, well, you know what? We'll see in Monaco. Sam Stefano, we got to turn our attention to Monaco now. It's going to be a really interesting race, in my opinion. I think there's going to be a lot of strategy at play. Stefano, you just pushed, you're pushing out your blog on Monaco. Huge, big fan of Monaco. Talk to us about what you're looking forward to this weekend. Certainly, Matt. It's the crown jewel of Formula One. It is where the world's elite gather to watch the spectacle that is the fastest sport in the world. You know, we have seen Lewis Hamilton dominate in Monaco. We've seen Max Verstappen win Monaco last time out. Who will be the new prince this year? Will it be Max? Will Charles end his Monaco hoodoo? Will he right the wrong of crashing Nicky Lauda's beloved championship-winning Ferrari a few weeks ago? We'll see on Sunday. And I am fired up. This is one of my favorite races. Not really the most exciting, I will say. Um, but like I said, it is Formula One's crown jewel. We are going to be in for quite the spectacle. All the drivers are up for it. They're fired up. Can't wait. Yeah, I mean, it's a 19-corner cir- circuit. It's one of the more picturesque tracks that Formula One has on the calendar. It's honestly what I would consider probably the most iconic Formula One circuit, but like kind of the most boring races, right? Like I think you described it as a grand procession, not a grand prix. It, 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 it has become more of a grand procession um, over the years. Uh, with these cars the way that they are now, they're like gigantic speedboats more than anything going around the streets of Monaco. Um, narrow, narrow streets, really tight hairpin turns, uh, at various points in the circuit. Um, it's going to be tough to overtake. It's going to be tough to even fit uh, two of these modern Formula One cars side by side uh, uh, in, much of the, in much of the circuit. Um, so really, if we're, if we're coming down to it, whoever's on pole, barring any reliability issues, barring a crash, whoever's on pole wins the race. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more with you. Sam. What, what's this? What's the stats on that? Anyone have have it? The percentage of pole winners to win the race? I'll look it up, Sam. But like, it sucks for you. One DRS zone, man. Like Sam DR Russell, not a good. It's gonna be brutal for me as a Red Bull fan. Not a lot of straight line. One DRS zone, man. Like that sucks. Yeah, tough, tough, tough. And I assume that DRS zone is the one under the bridge. No, I would it's, the one, it's the back straight heading into turn one, actually. Not Bummer, the, even not, worse. Unfortunately, yeah. not the tunnel. I would I would have hoped it's tunnel. It's really the I only like long straight on the track. Um, yeah, it, it's I think you guys kind of nailed it. it. It's definitely not an exciting track, but it's iconic. So it's like fun to it's fun to watch and kind of see cars yeah, race on it than anything. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it, it's it's a fun one. Um yeah, I don't know. It, it, it definitely is not going to play into Red Bull's hands, so I'm excited about that. And I, like we talked about earlier, I, I think we see Mercedes carry over a lot of momentum into this weekend. I think between Hamilton having uh, a great track record at Monaco, I think the Mercedes car um, is going to play very favorably here. So I'm looking towards what's Mercedes going to do this weekend. Can they carry that momentum? Um, I still think... Ferrari is going to be the favorites, um, barring the reliability issues. But it, it's it should be an interesting weekend. And and like Stefano said, it'll probably come down to everyone's poll. Yeah. One thing so, I want to ask you guys: we talked about it um, 
when we did our, our Miami episode, Monaco is very big for a celebrity crowd too. Yeah. Are you guys, are you guys looking forward to seeing anyone in particular? Yeah, maybe Tony Parker. He's French, right? He'll probably be around somewhere around there. He's um, something European. Rafael yeah, Nadal. Who, Nadal, yeah. Yeah, I, well, I mean, Beyonce there. Probably like Tom Cruise. Jay Z, I could see flying in maybe there. The Williams see, sisters again. Yeah, I hope not. I mean, those, those two stink. If they do show up, don't put them next to Martin Brundle because I can't do that again. <laughs> no, I, I do oh, not want to see that. Powering over him is funny. But so my guys, my question and guys, I, I cannot for the life of me find the the number of driver, the winners who are also pole sitters at, at Monaco. But Sam, my gut tells me actually you'd be you'd be surprised. Uh, I think last year Valtteri was he was technically on pole because Charles had the issue going in and then like Max took him over right at the start. And then that was the, the race was over. So I think probably the better stat we can't find it is like who's leading going into turn one probably wins the race because like. If Verstappen has another shitty start on pole and like and Charles Leclerc comes ahead of him, he's going to win, or like vice versa with Carlos Sainz. But my question to you guys, like, which I personally think that the team with the best momentum heading into Monaco is Mercedes. I think that their car is is prime for this track. I think that Red Bulls is not, and the only reason I say that is it's a short week, and Ferrari has to find out what's going on with Charles Leclerc's engine to there fix it. They already did. It's the, it was a turbo failure. This yeah. is another. This is another thing I want to say. I don't believe any of these teams when they say they figured it out and they like give these vague explanations of what happened. Like Red Bull did it a couple times early in the year, like fuel ish, fuel late. pump issue. Then like, oh no, it wasn't. It's they're they purposely lie about this stuff. So this is another thing that I don't believe when I read all this stuff on Twitter. Uh, like I just, it's another thing I don't believe. Sam, it was you know, like the on, when you watch the onboard footage and you hear. You hear Leclerc try to rev that engine, and you hear the turbo going. That that's a that's a obvious turbo failure. No, I I get that. This one seems obvious, but no, Sam, I'm more on your side with this. Every one of these teams is so freaking cagey. They don't ever let anyone know anything that's ever going on. For all we know, the Max Verstappen Bahrain issue is probably like still on their radar and they're like monitoring it very closely and they just really don't know what's going on. So like, I'm with you. All these guys say, ah, it's a total PR stunt. It's a total, like, we don't want to show our hand and show that we're vulnerable. And it's, I mean, you know who's one of the best teams at that is like Mercedes. They've been fantastic at that at being super cagey. They're like always bluffing. They were all, this year first time they actually they they didn't have a, a super racy car at the beginning of the year, but they're back, right back in it. So like all these teams are so freaking cagey when it comes to that stuff. But I, I still think that like Mercedes coming out of last week has like a really really strong chance at winning Monaco because of how good they looked in the technical parts of the Spanish Grand Prix and they figured out the porpoising and they don't need straight line speed. So all the Red Bull advantages are really not advantages at all this weekend. They're going to have to hope and pray that Max Verstappen can get out onto the second row at the bare minimum and get a great jump off the line and lead after turn one. Otherwise, honestly, it's probably over. There, I actually, we'll get to the predictions later on. I don't think we see Red Bull on the podium this weekend. Agreed. That's my my humble and honest take. I It saddens me to say I hope I'm wrong because I'm a big Red Bull fan. I really hope I'm wrong. But 
I like watching that. Like, it gets burned in my brain. The Max George turn one, where Max got ahead, and then George took by him on turn two. Like, it's burned into my brain that like they just don't have a car that can handle the corners the same way Mercedes and Ferrari can. And if if Max can't start in the top two, I don't think he wins the race, and I don't think he's going to start in the top two. So I, I, I honestly don't see a way that Max wins on Sunday. And that's kind of crazy to crazy to say because he's won every single race he's finished so far this year. But I don't think there's any chance he wins. I think he needs a lot more luck than just being Max Verstappen. Yeah, that's and that's barring like not including any type of reliability or crash. Like if if everything happens cleanly, I don't think Max has any chance of winning. He can't naturally do. Doesn't really favor his driving style. You know, it doesn't no. really reward like a very gutsy, aggressive driver. Yeah. I mean, there's nowhere to put, to put your car. For like a, Where's a the best overtaking spot, Stefano? Was it in that long straight under the tunnel? Uh, no, I believe it's on the back straight um, yeah. where the well, chicane DRS. is. DRS. It's yeah. heading into it's the DRS zone heading into turn one because it's a super <laughs> long back straight. Is it that long? It's really long. It's is like it? the longest part of the track. And then the tunnel. How straight? Is like, how straight is that straight though? It's not it's kind of curved. It's not like a true straight. It's like more of like a a slight curve <laughs> to it. Um, not super. It's like it's much closer to that um, that long second DRS zone in Australia where it's like more curved and then it hits that really, really tough speed trap. But I mean, we saw Max overtake Valtteri Bottas heading into turn like 15 in Spain this past weekend, which nobody ever does. So that guy will brave it around anything if he thinks he can. I just I don't think he's going to be able to keep up with them in sector two. I just don't see that car handling those technical parts really, really well. I kind of think this is going to be like a worse version of Jetta for him. Like I kind of look at this as like a Jetta race, but he's not going to be able to hang because it's, there's less DRS zones and less straights for him to dominate. Now the question is, does he have the discipline to kind of sit back and take his medicine and take a P4 or do we see the impatient max trying to force the issue and then something happens and he doesn't finish. I think we see him a little bit more patient for one reason, one reason only, or actually two reasons. Sorry, because he's got the world championship in his belt, in his bag, first and foremost. And second, because he's leading the drivers. If he was still trailing Charles coming out of like Spain, probably more susceptible to that. But also like, I feel like he's going to have a realistic expectation coming out of qualifying. Like if he's sitting P2, no, I think he's going to be super aggressive and he's going to like bend the car. If he's sitting like, if he knows race pace, they're like, yeah, we just don't have it. Like these guys are pretty realistic. Like he'll probably settle for P4. And I, I truly think this is going to be a Mercedes versus Ferrari weekend, to be honest with you. Agreed. And you know who I don't think this is going to favor at all? Danny Ricardo. McLaren. <laughs> yeah, McLaren. Yeah, McLaren in general. <laughs> Specifically Ricardo. You don't have any faith in Lando? Lando, I do. This this is going to have some bad flashbacks for Danny Ricardo last year, getting lapped by his teammate. And we didn't even talk about that in the Spain recap. Danny Ricardo had a bad Spanish Grand Prix, bad one compared to a teammate with tonsillitis. He's had a bad yeah, year. The 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 fall of of Danny Rick is really upsetting for me as somebody who's watched him pretty much throughout his entire career up to this point. 
You know who I'm also pretty excited for this weekend? Uh, back to our, our fans, Alpine. Uh, I think last weekend we saw another great race out of Alonso and out of Esteban Ocon. I mean, guys, that Alpine is just kind of like quietly hanging around there. I think you could see something come out of them this weekend too. Definitely. And, and I think Alonso's got a lot of momentum after uh, Spain. I thought it was a fantastic drive from, from him from the back of the grid, much needed. Um, one of the bright spots of that race. And, but yeah, to your point, Akon six and oh now, um, against, against his teammate, he's finishing the points five of six races. I think he's one of like maybe four or five, maybe six drivers who have finished in the points at least five races. So he continues to be rock solid. It's, it's hard. He's becoming like a sure in the points bet, um, these days it's been so rock solid, but Alonso, he looked good. Um, and, and he seems to have a little bit of momentum. So yeah, no, I agree with you. I, I think, um, Alpine's a team to watch this weekend and see if they can carry the moment, momentum of a double points finish from Spain. Guys, guys, conversely battle of the scrubs, no points whatsoever. Who finishes dead last Nicholas Latifi or Lance Stroll? Latifi. Stroll. <laughs> Can't bet against my boy, Ernie. True. Can't bet against Ernie. Uh, Hopefully we hear Ernie in the headset this weekend, but no, I, I mean, I bet you Stroll has a DNF. That's my prediction. But you know who else this this year? Uh, we Keep your eyes on Valtteri. Last year, he got shit luck in the pits. Couldn't get that front right uh, wing nut off. He was stuck. DNF. Um, last year was a disaster weekend for Mercedes, actually, because Lewis came out behind, I think, <laughs> Gasly and then like Vettel and then I think uh, I forget the third person and it was just like the strategy sucked it was just like a disaster weekend for Mercedes from the Valtteri Bottas and then just Lewis getting tied up behind some traffic and he couldn't overtake and that's what sucks about this track so freaking hard to overtake you have to like really brave it into that hairpin or you have to try and get past them in the tunnel or make a late lunge or then catch them in the back straight in that speed uh, in that DRS zone so I don't know like I'm I'm looking forward to the race but this is like, to your point, Stefano, it's an iconic race that everyone should like enjoy watching. Tons of history behind it, but meh, kind of boring. It's kind of a boring yeah, honestly, honestly, I think, you know, for, for any of our, our uh, listeners who are newer fans of the sport, don't go into the race expecting it to be, you know, very competitive. Don't go into the race expecting, you know, wheel-to-wheel stuff. Just enjoy the race for the pageantry and the spectacle. You know, really really soak in the atmosphere that is Monaco. Um, Definitely read my blog, get a a little clued in on that history of Monaco, um, and then just lose yourself in that sort of mystical pageantry of everything going on. Um, All set, Stefano. Thank you. I appreciate that, man. Um, Yeah. This is, is, dude, hell yeah, brother. This is a race for, um, just for the sake of it, honestly. Like Like I mentioned earlier, it's a tradition. Um, you know, so definitely go into it with, uh, with an open mind. Here's my question to both of you. Remove or keep on, sir, on the calendar. Keep, keep. Oh. Has to be a keep. That's been all keep Twitter it. buzz. Gotta yeah, whoever, whoever says remove it is a loser. And yeah. uh, my, other, my other question before predictions, is Chuck LeClaire 
finally going to get that monkey off his back? Or does he have too bad a juju coming into these, like between the Nikki Lauda crash, between the DNF, between Can we, wait till, predict- Can we wait till predictions to, to answer that question? I would love it. I'll segue right into predictions. So guys, let's talk predictions. I, I teed up that question thinking that I wanted to know who had the bad juju and whether or not Charles Leclerc was going to actually win for the first time in Monaco, getting his all of those monkeys, the monkey pox, if you will, off of his back. So let's start with you, Sam. I feel like you're itching for the predictions. So give us your predictions for race weekend in Monaco. So, yeah, I think our good pal Chuck is getting the Monaco curse out of his system. He's getting the monkey off his back. I think he gets it done this weekend. Um, um, in some ways, I don't think that DNF in Spain was the worst thing to happen. Um, it kind of gets that reliability issue out of the way. Like It was going to happen at some point. Let's get it out of the way. Let's correct it. Um, make sure we're in a good spot for Monaco. And, and I think on top of that, I think that this Ferrari car is kind of like built for a track like this. Um, so I, I think when you uh, add that all together, it's a Chuck weekend. And I think he he takes pole. I think he wins. And then second and third, I think it's a Mercedes kind of second and third lockout with Hamilton two, Russell three. And we might be talking at, at the end of this weekend. Mercedes is like legit in the constructors championship conversation. So Sam, just, uh, I like those predictions Uh, for our new listeners. uh, This is the only podcast that does predictions before free practice. We predict poll P1, P2, P3. So who's going to be on the podiums? Who's going to be on poll for the weekend? Only podcasts, only ones that do it before free practice. Super easy to do it once you've seen a couple practices. We see a bunch of the competitors out there doing it, like after qualifying, like no kidding. That's freaking easy to do. We do it before. So this is big time boldness from us. Sam, just keep going on those. Who do you have then like fourth? Do you think signs and then both Red Bulls is four or five, six? Or do you yeah, wait, I, uh, I, I, where's signs? Great question. So <laughs> it's a loaded question. I mean, yeah, in a perfect world, I think he's he's fourth fighting for that second and third spot, like very competitive right there. But it's hard to count on him right now. So I think he finishes fourth, maybe fifth behind Max, um, even though the, the Red Bull car, I don't really feel fits his track with um, hardly any room to kind of flex that crazy straight line speed that they've touted this year. I still think Max is, is obviously a great driver, um, previous winner at this track. So I'd be, I'd be shocked if Max, you know, finished worse than fourth, fifth. So I do think Max kind of finishes in that fourth spot. And then maybe we see signs come in fifth, um, Checo sixth, somewhere along those lines. Yeah, no, I was just curious where you had signs because I know it's um, signs versus Verstappen, even in the two different cars, is like an interesting battle because I do think like Lewis will probably, you know, pass Max. Stefano, give us your predictions. Now, for the record, Stefano is the only one on the podcast that gives us both P1 through P3 in qualifying and the race. So, Stefano, who do you have top three of qualifying and then standing on the podium for the race in Monaco this weekend? Top of the pile in qualifying, got to go to Chuck. Uh, we see Lewis Hamilton P2, P3 is signs. Uh, for the race, I've got obviously Chuck. I think that he's, you know, apart from that DNF, he was dominant in Spain uh, and he knows the track very well. Um, and he'll be itching to get the monkey off of his back. So I think this is when, this is his time to shine. I think he wins uh, the Monaco Grand Prix. Uh, I'm picking Lewis for P2. Uh, and then I got a little bit of a shakeup for P3. Uh, I think Valtteri gets his his first podium of the season. I like that. You just took mine. 
I had Valtteri up on the podium. I, I like that. Who do you so keep rounding it out for the top three teams for? So where do you see where do you see the rest of Mercedes and Red Bull shaking out? Similar to Sam, Max is fighting with George for P four, P five ish, and then uh, Checo behind. I think George finishes in P six. To be honest, um, I think I think Carlos Sainz. You know, we could see him blow the start again. We could see we could see a shakeup in the middle of the race, but. You know, that car is too good for somebody like Carlos Sainz to, to really throw it away. Um, so I think that he recovers, finishes in P4, and I think Max is uh, P5. Love that. That's a pretty pretty bold prediction, though, I, from both you guys, Sam, Stefano. You think that neither none of the Red Bulls are going to be up on the podium this weekend. It's really tough for me to sit here and think that the Red Bull team has, like, a car that's ready for the – like, ready for Monaco. I don't think that Red Bull either, like – really has like a lot of pace for my predictions this weekend i think you see lewis hamilton pole for the weekend i think he had a ton of race pace in spain i think he also has a little bit of a fresher engine i think he took a new engine this past weekend which is why he was had like a, a really really powerful engine i think I think Ferrari is going to be a little bit squeamish, and I think you're just not going to see Charles coming out of a DNF and hitting the wall and qualifying last year. I don't think he's going to push it on the limit. So I think he's just going to be a little bit more cautious, and I think he'll be on on P2. But I think you get Lewis actually on pole this year. Uh, after the For the race wins, though, I do think it's going to be a Chuck P1. I'm going to go and say that I think it's going to be Carlos Sainz P2. And I know I'm going way out of the limb because I think Carlos Sainz has had like absolutely been the worst head case of all time. But like, I think this track, he can kind of go a little bit more cautiously without having to wor be worried about being overtaken. He's not going to go and spin onto the gravel. He's probably not going to hit the wall. Uh, I think you're going to see a similar drive from him at Jeddah. And I think he's just going to be sitting on, on pole or on, on uh, he's going to be sitting like on the, th the second row and he's just going to cover off and pass one of the Red Bulls or the, or the Mercedes. So I think you see Carlos Sainz P2. And then I do think you see George Russell. Uh, sorry, I'm sorry. I think you have Chuck. I think you have Carlos. And I think you have uh, Lewis Hamilton, P3. is. And then I think you've got Max, P4, Checo, P5. And I actually agree. I think you got um, George Russell, P6. And you're going to see a lot of streaks broken. You're going to see the first time Max doesn't win a race he's finished. First time George Russell not in P5 and the top five every single race. You're going to see first time Lewis on pole for the year. First time uh, Chuck wins Monaco. I think you're just going to see a lot of firsts this weekend. That's my prediction. Like, it just seems like we're going to get the whole field shaken up again. That's what I think. I like it. Sam, safety car? You know, you're going to have to tune into the, the YouTube channel to find out yeah. for Sam's bets. No free Hell bets. Yeah. Watch the up. video. Yeah. Guys, final thoughts heading into Monaco. Stefan, I'll start with you. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, like I said, complete pageantry, complete spectacle of a race. Um, I think it's going to be very exciting. It's going to be a great race to watch for uh, some of the newer fans. Um, and I think we're going to, we're going to see, we're going to see a really good drive from Chuck. Sam, final thoughts. Uh, I'm excited to see how Chuck responds. You know, I think uh, the key to having uh, the heart of a champion and winning a driver's championship is how you bounce back from moments like what happened to him last Sunday. So I, I can't wait to see how he responds and we're going to find out what he's made of. And then on top of that, I think Stefano said some, you know, really beautiful words around the pageantry of Monaco and sitting back 
and just enjoying that for what it is. Um, and maybe we take a week off from, you know, at each other's throats and we just enjoy racing for what it is beautiful sport. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Thanks guys. I'm great. I loved, uh, love where you guys are heading with that and can't wait to see what happens. We're only a couple days away. We're already in race week. It, you know, it doesn't really matter who wins or loses. It actually, it does, but we still have a fun time and I'm just pumped that it's race week and in tomorrow is going to be one day away from FP one. When this comes out, we're going to be right there and we're going to be looking and we're going to be watching and it's going to be a blast. So I'm looking forward to it too. That's a wrap for us on today's episode of In The Points. It's a short week as we head to Monaco this weekend for Charles Leclerc's home race. Has he gotten all of his bad luck out of his system ahead of this race, where he can finally stand atop that top step? Will Red Bull solve their DRS, but more importantly, driver tension issues? Or will Mercedes make more strides and challenge the top two teams this weekend? Please like, subscribe, and smash all those bells and whistles so you never miss the hottest Formula One takes in the business. And tune in to our latest brand new YouTube channel where we will be exclusively posting Sam's Bets as a video episode each week ahead of race weekend, along with all of our other video podcasts. Thanks to all for listening, and as always, stay out of that dirty air and keep pushing. Never turn on me